0: Officially starting, we are getting back into this thing. Whatever episode it's supposed to be, I don't think I'll clap today because it's a new beginning. (laughs) Unless that helps, we'll get you to clap later. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. Uh, Oh man, it's been months. We've had months of chaos, though. Yeah, both of our kitchens got redone. Uh, School and work, a lot of work, gigs. It just became impossible to schedule something where we were actually both conscious to do this thing and then i'm awake you know i put my i put rose
1: to sleep this you know just a little bit of my seven-year-old and i'm like i'm gonna go do this podcast thing and she's like we we uh, she we were reading like a choose your own adventure book thing you know yeah yeah and she's like what would daddy's power to choose be go do the podcast or go to sleep (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's basically the thing that I was weighing as well it's like, uh, I don't know both, like, both my sons have been cranky this week but it's probably because they've been just trying to push that bedtime because they're both out uh, like I put one of them down and you're gone the other one's gone I'm like okay yeah you guys need to go to bed like we're not blowing hot air here we're like you should be in bed by 9 when cool starts you know, they push it tool? last night. <laughs> did i say pool uh i don't know what i said i think pool anyway, so we are back we've had outside of that wonderful uh stuff of reconstructing kitchens and so on um we actually had a gig together as a duo it's true in action or an akron akron
1: we played some akron
0: yep that, that i think that went pretty well Generally, you know
1: the same the same child was she's like i'm gonna record your whole show like she was like i'll video <laughs> and she recorded, like, 40 seconds or something. But what's sort of a bummer is, I like, normally, like, I always record every show, even if yeah. it's on my phone or whatever. But she had my phone, so I, I didn't think of it. I'm like, oh, it's a bummer. There's, like, no audio or anything from it, so. Oh, well. That's...
0: There's audio, no, I mean, 45 seconds, but there's something. Yeah. You know. Uh, and I think for the most part, like, I was re- uh, Like, it
1: all I went downhill. That was the first song and just went...
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it start out strong and then end up crashing and burning, but for the most part, I think it went pretty well. I was surprised at the crowd. You know, it's like one of those. Yeah, things. Was nice. and I was like, "Whoa, we have people's attention." Okay, you know, it's like, and they they most of them stayed the entire time. I, mean, right. I didn't see a whole lot of of new faces every time I looked up. Um, so that was cool. I mean, at least we got that going for us. Yeah. Know. Um, gotta do some more. Just, yeah.
1: For sure. Yeah, it was really? cool. I, I thought it was a nice little mix of, um, we did some Bach and some Villa Lobos, and, yep. but also some jazz tunes and some gypsy jazz and some Indian stuff. And we were free with it, too. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we yeah I think like, it, oh, it all like, it, was, like it was pretty a... cohesive, ultimately. Yep. Yeah. we should expound on it more. It was fun. Yeah. I, like, I like playing acoustic. It's nice.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm kind of stuck with the classical all the time, so, you yeah, know, I don't want to rock my nails on something electric. <laughs>
1: Yeah. you know it's what i like i think i told you i was like so contemplating like putting something on these nails
0: ah <laughs> uh, yeah because
1: i'm like oh that you know like i i'm not really tapping as much as i used to i've mostly stopped doing it so i'm like i think i could put nails on two of these fingers It'd be pretty useful
0: one of the things that i'm actually going for is to have the shortest nail possible and still get the tone that i like like i'm trying to find right. that yeah i would like to find that with speed. too
1: especially <laughs> if it's just two nails <laughs> yeah
0: well i mean it's like it's uh, I'm, I'm i've done a lot of point of contact quote unquote uh studying this summer Just getting different nail angles like i i have my general tone nail shape set but i'm trying to find if i can how much i can get away from that and still right. sound good And have a lot less, uh, not necessarily click, but the shorter the nail, it's faster to play. Yeah. Like it's it's a lot less stuff. And some of that's shape, some of that's length, and, you know, approach angle, like uh, a lot of point of contact, as I call it, uh, studies. One of the guys that I ran ran into uh, at a school I was subbing at over the summer, um, he was another classical guy, and he used the Kiss Nails, that brand, and he's like, you got to get the square tip, ones which are only available on amazon and he swore by him he, hmm. he had a great sound too uh and i saw another guy do that uh at oberlin like years ago lukash something but a monster player and he just uh, everything was kiss nails hmm. He like just and those i've never seen on,
1: over your regular yeah, like press on nails
0: <laughs> yeah pretty much um you know they come with a super glue or a glue nail glue but that's mainly just a like a watered down superglue as he was saying yeah and so uh, any
1: non-classical uh, guitar player people with finger, fingernails stuff notice that that is not somewhat different than having uh, you know you're like 70 different types of picks <laughs> close
0: by or whatever
1: <laughs> exactly
0: yeah <laughs> like it, oh it, it,
1: i'm always changing and trying but i do these wagon or wagon picks these are yeah i don't sure know what material this is
0: I have no idea. But I
1: really like the material, random thought. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> if you, anyone who wants to sponsor. But I, the the problem with this is it's shaped for a right-hander. So it has these, like, bevels. So, like, depending on how I pick, I actually, I'll switch pick. Like, I'll pick like that, but then sometimes I switch to that kind of grip. And when I switch to that grip, it's more like a right-hand, and so it's fine. But when I switch to the normal grip, which I do most of the time... It like hits the edge in a weird sort of way, so it's kind of a bummer. That is And they don't really a... make the right the lefty ones, of course.
0: Like this get uh what do they call it? The guitar lift that I got. Yeah. This thing. It's right handed, but it was like, wait a minute, if I can if these just screw on and move, I can flip it and that's what I did. Yeah. Ooh. Well that thing is cool. It should be this way. But this is I love this. I know, it's like, kinda
1: like I should get one of those. I wonder I should have tried it when you were here with the electric to see if it would Oh, water. I don't know.
0: I mean, it it, it should work, because you can adjust these, so, you know, the body size, is just a matter of making well, yeah, sense. I think even the way that the
1: size was, it would probably work on the uh, Framus guitar.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, with that big of a back there, absolutely. I haven't tried it on any of my electrics yet, but I did do it on my steel-string acoustic, just to see. And, and I'll, it, to, I'll it, have to get that link nice. from you again. Yep, it's just on string my mail. just get to, under guitar accessories. It's right there i i got the medium one there's a larger one that gives you bigger range uh-huh. which are bigger than me so that might be more comfortable for you but this is fine uh for me
1: yeah i'm thinking about the guitar when i get the other guitar too yeah, yeah I, i'm not- kind of like i i hate putting my leg up and i don't really like using a footstool that much but i do yeah. like when the guitar is like you know when it's yeah. angled a little bit, it is kind of easier for some things. Uh, absolutely. You know, for, especially yeah. for stretching stuff, right? I'm like, oh, I could, could I stretch like that a it, fifth.
0: It, yeah. I just, like, uh, the thing I loved about a footstool is that it feels like I'm in complete control of the guitar. Like, I'm really holding it, you know? And yeah. It, it, it's part of it. But you know, sciatica, back stuff, you just after many, many years of playing, it just wears out. I don't know how, I, like David Russell or even my old professors that still use footstools, I don't know how they still do it without tremendous amounts of pain. Because I tried switching back for like two weeks. It was great. And then I woke up one the morning and it was like, oh. Oh you oh want to but you want to <laughs> be
1: David Russell you have to just take the pain my friend I
0: guess, maybe that's why you know <laughs> maybe he's not really Scottish he's just angry and in pain all the time like, Oh it hurts <laughs> oh, I better do it right cuz I don't want to do it again Yeah <laughs> But but the uh, what was it this guy the, the Ergo Play, this was my go to and I liked it yeah. but the guitar never felt totally secure with it like if i leaned too much it would come out of the suction cup and it wouldn't come off but not having that security just kind of you know it's a subtle psychological thing yeah so i figured i'd try this other thing just for the heck of it and if i didn't like it i'd send it back and sure. day one it was like this is great and i honestly think it it might maybe it's the neck angle maybe it's the angle of where i'm holding the guitar but i feel like it, it allows it to play louder like it sounds yeah. louder yeah I think maybe yeah. on the guitar
1: um yeah, we sound like a commercial today.
0: <laughs> yeah, hey, whatever. You know, it, it's uh, we have we do have. Some Notice this of Morgan amp that I have. <laughs> that is awesome. That it's great. I will say, like coming over for rehearsals, it was like, ooh, amps. Yeah, things we don't have at home. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, Adam that, got
1: the joy of playing the Red Plate and the yeah, this new Morgan oh, amp I got, yeah. and uh, they're both magnificent. Really. Yes. They're.
0: I, I think I like <laughs> the Morgan more. But that's probably because the speaker was right in front of me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like the red Well, line, you know, you,
1: the nice thing with the head, uh, you can try. I have, a, I have like four different speaker cabinets you could try. And I actually have some speakers that I could swap out to. And you can hear all the, you know, that's the nice thing about a head is you can try different stuff. And yeah, exactly. depending on what vibe you're going for, it can sound better one way or another, blah, blah, blah.
0: You know, it's like trying to test out different cuts of Wagyu. <laughs> it's all going to be good yeah it's not like the red plate was bad it it was fantastic but it, yeah. maybe just because of that they're both would...
1: uh they're wonderful and unforgiving in the best way like yeah. you really yeah. they do exactly what you say if you you don't get to flub <laughs> around on them really um We're i really convinced. appreciate it it's, it's a, what a different world and it's back you know back to that like Wow, what, 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 if I would have had that to start, <laughs> it would be a lot <laughs> different, right?
0: Let, let's try to avoid that particular mm-hmm. rabbit hole, because I think we've yeah. beaten that one to death. But what, what was that list, the True Fire one, that will help you get better on guitar? Oh, because yeah, so... Uh, we have, uh, we're in the top 25. Yeah, areas. we
1: just thought, it's funny. I was looking for something else, and I looked through our Wood Air Metal email, which you can email us at woodmare, woodairmetal at com if you ever so choose. Um... Yeah, and we made the Truefire, if you don't know truefire.com, they're uh, probably the biggest like guitar teaching website out there, probably. I don't think there's even a close second. But they're along the Masterclass line of, there's all kinds of great Masterclass yeah. um, websites, but Truefire is probably the biggest one, and I would say the highest production one, except maybe that Masterclass one that has like Herbie or Hancock. There's, and, there's
0: tone the, bass as well, but that's yeah. strictly classical. Oh, yeah.
1: So, yeah, um, anyway, we made their top 25 um, po- guitar,
0: guitar. podcasts of if the year. If you want to get better at guitar, is what the, the subheading was. So oh. I don't know how big that group was, you know. Oh, so you is... the top 25 out of 26.
1: I, was, there, was a, there was a lot of good ones on there. There were all ones yeah, I'd seen no, before, so I felt that was really nice. And I don't know how that happened exactly. I mean, no, we're, fun, we're friends with a couple of the people that teach on there, so maybe yeah. that helped, I don't know, but... Um, yeah, so that was cool. I thought, and that kind of came out of the blue, and
0: yeah, you know, it was motivating to get back. We, we, we
1: didn't like quite it. catch up to Guitar Wank, but we'll get there. <laughs> May, <laughs> Bruce Foreman, Troy McGovern, and Scott Anderson were coming for you now. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we don't care question. about you at all. But that's yeah,
0: right. who are you? And I would care about this because <laughs> no, that's um, just free publicity for Guitar Wank.
1: Yeah, there uh, we go. So anyway, you know yeah, that was cool. I, I think that's, that's yeah, It's kind of yeah. nice to hear that some people are checking it out, and but my favorite part of it though was, you know, <laughs> reflecting on the years of performing and da 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 da, and complaining was the last word. <laughs> that
0: was awesome. Which so is what we're, we're gonna do today. Right. We're
1: gonna we're yep. planning to complain. We're gonna complain a bunch.
0: We have a bitch fest for tonight. Yeah, a little bit. We thought we'd start.
1: Yeah, come back with a um Doozy with of a, a, a controversial subject. topic among peers of ours, probably, so...
0: <laughs> Let's get everybody angry. Yeah,
1: we'll just make people angry, and uh, we'll go from there.
0: But, okay, uh, well, you, you spill it. You came up with it. So yeah, so like- I, I
1: was just thinking the other day, I saw... uh I don't remember where... I saw a post or something, and it was about a studio guitarist who had made a new record or whatever, and it just, like, like dunk, dinged in my ear or whatever, and I was just thinking, you know, we blame... <laughs> We blame the, uh, um, let's say, pop music and whatever a lot on all kinds of things, right? the record labels and whatnot. But is there a fair amount of blame to go to studio musicians in L.A. and Nashville? (laughs) uh,
0: Jots fired. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: ultimately the question is, did studio musicians ruin the music industry? That's really the ultimate
0: question and uh Uh, Uh, let's hear your take and then i'll give mine let's 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 do that because we had to to put the brakes on it oh yeah because it was was so tempting let's let's really just see so first off
1: this is there's just like an incredible like incredible musicians you know and i'm just gonna pick on la and nashville because they're the hubs i guess new york new york used to be like that too a lot more back in the day i don't you don't hear about it as much now, but they certainly have studios that people play in, and you know, are hubs. Um, so yeah, New York, LA, and Nashville are obvious hubs for studios, musicians, and um, you know, like a lot of the people that we um, applaud, some of the great guitar players that you know, you see. Like, I'm I'm gonna try to stay out of saying names. I think. Um, but maybe we'll get there. But you know they're on like hundreds of records. We all know yeah. those guitar players. I'm just gonna. We'll just stick with guitar. That you know they played on hundreds and hundreds of records and whatever. And they've sort of defined a sound. You know, and like you can all, you can tell who they are because they made a sound. And uh, they even got they kept getting hired to do that same sound over and over again. So the idea that um, I think it's too easy to pick on Nashville. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I think I'm gonna try to steer it towards LA. And the reason I say it's too easy, I think we all know that like country music at this point, unfortunately, it's a very formulaic sort of thing. And people seem to really like it, so I think it's it's fine, whatever. And there's people that are doing well in the studio scene there, and they know it's like a known thing. Like it's not you're not supposed to be fresh and original and all these kind of things and you're not supposed to be whatever, but, uh, that, you know, there's a particular kind of sound you're going for, but more, we'll, let's pick more on the LA side of things, which is where most of the pop music is done. And, and I guess what I'm trying to lean into, and I feel like I'm not doing a very good job, but is, you know, instead, so we hire, you hire a band, you know, like you sign a band from Akron, Ohio or, uh, some random place in Idaho because they show some promise, uh, or maybe you really like the lead singer or something, right? They get this kind of things or whatever, the look, or and then instead of letting that band develop and grow, you replace their parts with like a professional studio musician that fits some kind of sound that you you know you know, and it's kind of like. I feel like in a lot of ways, it sort of destroyed bands for one. Um, And I mean more like on the pop side of things, right? Um, And it it made it all sound the same, right? There's like a sameness to all of it. And so when people were complaining like, why every song sounds the same now? And they've been saying that for the last 30 years or whatever, Um, you know, in these different pop music things or whatever pop and I'll say pop rock like popular rock you know Radio there's, this, friendly there's this yeah there's this really like homogenous sort of sound thing that sort of happens and it, it's not it's not the musician's fault but it's it's sort of the scene of it right that sort of I know there should be professional musicians and there's a, a qualityness that you need to have but it almost kills like the artistry in a sort of a weird way. We end up with a lot of things that sound the same instead of, you know, like a unique sounding band in, in some respect. Um, and I wonder a bit if that's why. Um, you know, back in the day, you know, like you let Rush just and then Rush was great musicians and they weren't going to need be musicians. So this maybe yeah. not a fair comparison. But you let them to develop, you know, and they let them change and like one album doesn't sound like the next, but it's sort of a growth. and You let these sort of things happen and they, they, be, they develop a sound over multiple records. Um, but now it's kind of like, well, if you didn't get it right, we're just gonna replace it with the studio, studio tracks. And we're, you know, and it's like, it's, I don't know. it Kind of dawned on me that maybe ultimately that scene is really not very good for the music in the end. Because you end up with a lot of, you know, people that sound the same, I guess.
0: Yeah, I I see what you're saying. And I totally disagree. (laughs) Great. (laughs) That's why I figured this would be a great topic to go into. Um, And not like I'm trying to prove my aspect right. But, um, like, my take on it is, like, it's, it's obviously a complicated issue but with some of the things just looking at it studio musician wise um i'll drop some names because i watched some videos of these guys and they're out there doing it so you know whatever and i'm not bashing their playing in shape, or perform they're phenomenal and that's why i think i'm a little bit more on the side of i i, I tend to disagree with that like um You know, the Google Dolls. This one's a little bit closer to home, literally, because they're from my hometown. Uh, And I remember them, like, handing out cassette tapes when I was in high school. (laughs) Like, they'd get, like, a kid in high school to bring a box of, like, 32 cassettes and, like, give out their demos. You know, whatever. Um, Not that I've been a a huge fan of them, but that I really care about, like, how they're from my hometown. Pride type of thing. It's like, whatever. I don't care where they come from. Whatever. Um, But, like, that song, Iris. You know, where the the lead guitarist like turned it to all, uh, tuned his guitar to something like B, like literally the note B. That's it. Yeah, Uh, Just in different octaves uh, on it. I don't remember the formal, what the tuning was. And then Tim Pierce was the studio musician that did the slide solo on that. You know, and then the Google Dolls were obviously already pretty established, and then they just brought in this other guy to add, like, a little quick solo over top of it. Yeah. You know, whether or not, like, you know, it's like, oh, I want Tim Pierce's sound. They just wanted something to fill out that particular... And that was a huge hit. That was, like, everywhere. Right. You know, but altered tunings didn't take over acoustic guitar playing to so the extent that you think that it, it would because of that song. Uh, though, I mean, I'm in the altered tuning thing. My guitar, is my steel string is almost never in standard. But the uh uh my point with that is like they wanted a particular song so they hired like this guy type of thing you got stories about the beatles where they couldn't nail parts where they'd be like yeah why don't you take like a break call up the jazz drummer have him come in and nail ringo's part and whatever um i think that ultimately like in one sense it's the producer that's c- it could cause the homogenization of yeah. particular sounds but I don't think that's on the studio musicians because you know it's like somebody's like yeah well, I'm not, I'm not trying people. not to pick on the studio yeah, yeah I know I know because they're great this is not a yeah. knock on their yeah capability. this is not a knock on the ability at all yeah, yeah. this is a, a critique of the potential homogenization and where it comes from in terms of like what spot in the line is it the studio musician is it the band is it the producer that's over both this is the record label saying hey we need a hit because we need to recoup our A certain thing and the answer to all those is yes like every little thing with that factors into getting a particular uh, uh, sound out of it Um, you know it's like like Tim Pierce has played over hundreds and hundreds of albums all over the place he's like the end of my man guy and what's funny is like I'm like I, I was. I remember watching a video of and I'm like I wonder how much money this guy has made because it seems like he's in this small like studio area, and there is one small video of him like kind of like walking through his house and it's just freaking gigantic. It's like that's like a closet in his house. Everything right. else is like he, he's made his money, which is great. Good on him. Um, and he, I think he's a phenomenal player. Really tasteful. But um, my um, to sum up my point, I don't think it's the musicians themselves. That are homogenizing things. It's a multifactorial issue with the, the higher-ups wanting the money, the producer that happens to be, like, this oh, guy sure. turning out the hits. So we all tend to want him as a producer, which leads to that, like, stamp signature of his production aspect. And then you got the musicians that, you know, you're going to hire people you know that can do the job that you want. Because th- why would I be like, I'm going to audition like 17 different guitar players for this part. Or I know three guys that are pretty much in the genre. Hey, are you available? All right, come on, let's do this. And, and that's just practicality. You know, it's like I, as much as I'd love more creative aspects, I'm going to go with the closest thing that's available just to save the time and potentially the money. Um, right, but that's a mon- that's a m- So, well, if I re say your thing in a much
1: more cynical way... <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're saying that it's about the money, like it's not about the art. Yeah. To an extent,
0: it, it, it is. To period. I mean, even you know, I make significantly less than most of the the big players for ob- many obvious reasons. Yeah. But I'm in an area where I don't have to worry about like fitting into a particular thing to bring in particular money. Yeah. You know, if I was scraping stuff together in L.A. and they were like, we need to just strum chords in this pattern. You know, though I might not like it, I'd be like, okay, this is again. This it. is not a knock on whether yeah, exactly you got to do what you got to. No,
1: the studio musicians are filling a need that's there apparently. Yeah, uh, because my my take though was like,
0: was it just a mistake to start it to begin with? <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. I think like you want. Like, we look at it from the aspect of the player musicians, but if you look at it, like, when I did something for uh, uh, this I won't say like who they were, uh, but I was playing on somebody's album that was a singer songwriter and we recorded everything with me on guitar and it was it went great in the studio, yeah. and then when they actually went to do the formal mix down, like, the producer was like, Yeah, the drums are off. You know because this particular artist was uh played the drums as well and they had to redo everything and scrapped everything that i did because i was tied to those particular drums you know yeah. it was like ah crap you know all this work and a day you know the studio sessions with it and it just disappeared and that kind of It didn't hurt. Like, I wasn't like, oh, my emotions. I was like, oh, man, I thought I did really good. And I wanted to hear those parts, like, on the song. And he he brought in somebody else because he moved out of the area. And it it sounded great. You know, it wasn't like a bad... It came out worse. It was just different, you know. Right. Um, So uh, he was looking for something to fit his thing. And he grabbed what was the closest thing to him to get what he wanted. And I think that's fine. And not necessarily destroying... Creating a particular box, because it's, it's his call as the artist. And I think if I, like the other person that I worked with and doing something uh, particularly classical in this other thing was, you know, I was writing to exactly fit what they wanted. Like, I had a, a different idea, but then as soon as they gave me the go-ahead with, like, yeah, keep it this way, that was exactly what they want. And that's what, oh, there was a clap. <laughs> so anyways, the uh, it happens. It's the Italian. But the um, ultimately, it's like when you get hired in as a studio musician, which I haven't done like all the time, but I've done a, a decent amount. It It's all what the person there wants. Oh, sure. So you know, clearly. And there's some things that are going to have my voice in it no matter what, because that just happens. And that's also why they pick you to, to be that musician is they Certainly. like that particular sound. So I don't think that it's it's necessarily killing creativity, but I think the business aspect of it, and in one sense you're right, it it is the money. But the business aspect of it comes in
1: and, you know,
0: this particular sound will sell because it works with this genre and that's what people are using. And they want the hit. So that's what they do. You know, maybe that's the reason why you see on some singles that are released, well, I'm dating myself on that one, when singles were released. Uh, nowadays it's like they drop like one track. But before the internet when they would drop a single single there'd be like the official studio version of it and there'd be like all these remixes some of them were like dance club remixes but other ones are like nothing but acoustic other ones had like a totally different structure to the song so you could kind of see the creative aspect in that and i always found that was fat it was fascinating on my end like i i was a huge u2 fan so i had like literally like Floor to ceiling stacked of bootlegs and singles of their stuff because Or
1: everything sounded the same. No, yeah,
0: not, you're not wrong, you know. But the thing that I like to look the Edge for. Edge made a little mistake like, on that one. <laughs> Rochester, <laughs> 1972. <laughs> it was uh, it, There's no little mistakes with Edge with that much delay. It's going to be a big mistake. Um, but uh, anyway, so that was the thing that I always liked to get was to be like, okay, this is cool, and then you got to see. All their different renditions of it before they put it out, and some of the bootlegs that I had were like the studio sessions from Act Fung Baby, yeah. which was, was just really interesting to hear and the the transfer, the creativity of the song, and what the final product was being like absolutely radical different from the first. Sure, that that's what's cool though, right? Like that's what's cool. That's but. cool when you let a band develop. I guess yes. But you 2 also had the FU money to do whatever they wanted. Of course. You know, like that, that, so that gave them the freedom to be like, and hey, we're just going to take this in whatever directions. Um, and, you know, there's a money aspect with that, and there's a creativity aspect with it, and they're clearly, they, I don't think they bring in a whole lot of studio musicians to play their parts. Um, you know, I can't see them being probably, like, we oh, yeah, need another guitar player on this. That, that That's not going to happen for them. Google dolls. I could see that happen if they're because, and also with that particular track, that was for a soundtrack, not necessarily for a, something on an album. So that I would approach something if I was writing something. Yeah, for I it. mean, I th- bring I see in that somebody as slightly
1: else. different in that particular Google dolls use case. It's more or less the uh, the idea of you. Well, maybe another way of saying all this is. Did it kill groups, you know? So now you don't have you don't have groups as much as you used to. And a lot of that is because you could just hire studio musicians to do all the work for you. Oh, it's going to come out polished, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, probably close to whatever you thought you th- wanted it to sound like or whatever. However, you didn't really like... You know, like Tim Pierce gets hired for two weeks or whatever, and then that's it you know. And the parts might be good or bad or whatever. But like what what if what if it was online for Tim Pierce was like, "Yo, this is you're betting your entire fortune on this <laughs> record, right? And mm-hmm. you need to invest in this band for the next 5 years as a group, right? And what would you do in that situation? You don't get to just be like it's not—it's not a quality necessarily, but you know, it's like a different, different skin in the game. Yeah, when, it's, when it's your thing, as opposed to somebody else's thing. Now, I don't think any of the studio musicians want to do bad or anything. Like, nothing like that. Yeah, I, I but they're not they're... invested in it, right? They're like, they—they want to do good. It's—it's just like any anybody who has any pride in their work wants to do good. It's yeah. not—it's not that. It's that. Uh, you know, even if you have a bad day in the studio, but it's so it's good enough, and it you know sort of meets the need of the band or whatever, and people are generally happy, you can walk away from that, get your paycheck, and feel generally okay about it.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly what happened with one of my situations. Like, yeah. uh, they wanted like I made a mistake, and but they liked it, so they wanted to keep it. The yeah. classical guy in me is like that's not what I wrote on the page. <laughs> it's like no, let's not do that, but it's it's not my song. So right. I'm like, okay, whatever you want, you know. And that's I think that's the other thing that goes at least coming from my experience with it, it's like you know, if somebody's given me a check, I'm going to do what they want in my particular voice, and if they don't like that stuff, they can ditch it. I'm not going to be necessarily offended. You know, I would have liked to have been like pristine with it, but if they like the little organic right. fluff Uh, which, you know, to the persons that aren't playing it, they're not gonna know. Mm -hmm. Nobody uh, hearing that would think that that was a mistake. Um, But like me, the classical perfectionism, to an extent, is like, ah, damn it. You know, I I, I don't want that to be out there. But whatever. It it works and it it was what it it was and it's a great tune. Um, So I don't think that the aspect of like them sitting down and being like okay well that's good enough is derogatory to it you know because even just watching those interviews with tim he's done tons of work i watched a thing where he did like two weeks with bob dylan yeah recently you know and they use like next to nothing of his work sure like which he was like that's not the point I was playing with Bob Dylan. Yeah, right. I was happy, it, which you know, it, uh, I'm not a huge fan. But if he called me up, I'd be like, Hell yeah, I'm there. You know, so I don't think that the uh, aspect of the studio musician is necessarily killing in the creativity. Like another reference, uh, an old friend of mine. Uh, I'm not going to name drop on this one with him as a particular artist, um, but he's gotten pretty big, which is great for him. I'm super thrilled. Uh, doing a lot of pop writing, and in the the overarching term, not like specifically pop, but you know, uh, popular singer songwriter stuff, and you know, he uh, at, it was doing some type of a funk thing, and he had Corey Wong play on it, which is like, well, of course you're gonna have him. That's okay. be the guy that you call, you know, and he was totally capable of playing those parts, but the difference is is like, you know. There, yeah, I, but don't I, you think he like, did that? Like like that's, that's a money play but, again. I mean... Of course. and yeah. he's, But he's taking all the risk by paying Corey Wong to play that part. Because, you know, it's like he's got to shell out the cash to have him perform yeah. on it. And hopefully that song makes back the money that he's invested into it. So in one sense, like if he was trying to play it, he probably could have. But he's like, that would have taken me like three weeks to nail that part. Or I can have him do it in, in an hour. This, this <laughs> reminds me of a story, though. Um, Pat Matheny, right? He
1: so he was playing with Gary Burton when he was pretty young. Gary Burton was pretty famous, um, monster musician. Um, and Pat was getting some love, right? I mean, there's this like 19, 20-year-old guitar phenom, got a pretty unique sound, and like people knew who he was, you know, or were starting to know who he was. So he was getting offers to do a record, and Gary was, who was his mentor too, right? Like this one of the greatest musicians that's been alive, probably. Um, it was kind of like you know, don't put an album out until you're ready, um, and like he would like bring these songs that he was writing to Gary. And he'd be like, yeah, I mean, like, people have already done what you just, like, what are you saying that's unique or new? right?" So that's one side of it. But the other side of it, so he finally gets the record date. Like, he, he kept getting off, I guess my point of, with him being known and playing with a pretty big band was, like, he had already got record deal offers, but he kept saying no. So he finally had the songs for it. And his plan was to hire a bunch of, like, jazz legends to play on this record right he was gonna get like jack DeJohnette and um ron carter or something like he was trying to figure out who to play with it and gary was like well why don't you I mean your band's good like the band you've been playing with is good you should play with that band mm-hmm. yeah. and if you talked him into it um you know and it ended up being like jaco pastorius and like you yeah. know like yeah. you know, like but like if if he would have just did the recording used... in europe what's that didn't yeah, he I think the Europe? first one was in Europe. Yeah, cuz it was uh ECM. So he went to Manfreds whatever.
0: That was in the Beato uh interview that he was Yeah, yeah about. I think i
1: was. Yeah, and I think he's talked about it before, but yeah. So like instead of uh just grabbing people because you know, he would have got plenty of like name recognition by putting like famous drummer bass player whatever on these yeah, records. featuring
0: so and so with that yeah.
1: thing and that would have probably put the record on the map a little bit higher because as as he's mentioned in interviews it like it almost got unnoticed you know when he first put it out um and part of that is because he used his own band hmm. um but his band was good his band was creative and interesting and doing unique stuff and imagine if he just would have went with the like what that would have hurt the world of art right <laughs> like you would have hurt and it's not that who wouldn't want to play with Ron Carter and Jack DeJohnette? And he did that later. And, uh, you know, like these are the greatest musicians alive or whatever, but we would have never heard Jocko. And I, gosh, I wish I'm shooting myself for not knowing who the drummer was now, but it's like another, like, you know, change the game kind of drummer, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the studio scene would have been a mistake. Ultimately, you know, that yeah, that's one yeah. of the greatest, that record uh, is, yeah. now considered, can say, you know, it's one of the greatest jazz trio records, whatever, ever, and it took a while for it, but the art of it, the thing that made it unique and special was the development of that band. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, you, it might have been more polished with seasoned veterans, right? And all that, but you would have like the art of it wouldn't have been there the the um thing that they worked on the thing that they were all invested in spent years developing was is is represented on that record now and still represented on that record mm-hmm. not the like hey i got a great musician and they showed up for a couple of days and did a good job <laughs> yeah so I, I don't know i feel like it's a this again this this is not a knock at all on any of the quality of musicians. I mean, Tim Bierce is amazing. Michael Landau and Larry Carlton and Carl Verheyen and all these guys, I mean, they're incredible musicians. Like they're some of the best guitar players that will ever live. They're they're amazing. And um, a lot of those guys are very unique, like when they Mm. do their own stuff. So this is not like a knock on them at all. Um. But it's kind of like, well, what happens if you would have used the guitar player from your hometown? You know, that maybe, yeah, they're not Michael Landau. Nobody is, you know? Um, And, yeah, it wasn't quite as polished. And, yeah, they didn't own a 59, you know, Les Paul and (laughs) um, the perfect plexi head or whatever, and they used, like, a shitty amp that, you know, they happen to be using for years. Well, in the end, would the quality of the art be better? Like, it's that—that was really the the question I'm proposing. Okay. Is, um, did and we did we like miss out on like Hank from Minneapolis that <laughs> you know like would have been always, like a game you know? changer. Like would have been the next Jocko, but you know we had to hire we hired Tim Pierce instead to do it. I.
0: That's that's a that's that is a hell of a question mainly because it's like it's unquantifiable of course just you have no idea yeah you know could it have been better well everything could be better
1: better Better is a weird word but i want to say i mean i want to say like artistic let's say more but even then like i know artistic art is a weird word but i what is is, there's got to be a quote that i'm forgetting about art but a lot of it's about perspiration right and i'm sorry like Yes, I know there was a lot of like work to get to the the capability of the studio musicians and their vast collection of amps and ability took a lot of hard sweat, but the sweat equity was not put towards that project it wasn't put towards developing the Minneapolis sound or whatever you know like okay. all right. you know it was it was it was trying to be a better musician, which is all good um but I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things that I you know, feel like art's kind of a weird thing, but well, this, it doesn't can. have to always be better. It doesn't have to be polished. It doesn't have to be, yes, you know, who, I, has the, agree. who has the best, who draws the best lines or whatever. Like that's not what makes something yeah. art.
0: Um, it's, ex- it's without going down the philosophical rabbit hole hmm. of like what is art, but to keep it where we're at, the, Developing something is the underlying seems to be like the underlying thing that you're you're going with. Like, what makes it creative to push it outside of the genres that are kind of overarching gatekeeping, for lack of a better term. Yeah, you know, um, and that I, I I totally agree with you on that point. Like, it can totally get to a gatekeeping type of thing where it has to be this particular thing in this particular mold. But the within the nature of art is its own destruction and reconstruction because every artistic movement starts out as a pushback against another one you know just it's just, and then at that next generation pushes back against that latest thing and then it's it's kind of interesting if you look at the time changes for the periods of art just from music history it's yeah. like you know it, it's taking much much shorter time now than it did back then. And that's probably because of the flow of information is so fast, certainly compared yeah. to where it was. Um, you can watch a shrink, you know, like Renaissance is like 200 years, Baroque gets to around like 65, 70 and then shrink, 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 shrink. you know, as it, it right. goes up. Um, so who knows, you know, it, uh, uh, with that, you know, nowadays it's like, like, I just, uh, surprisingly enough, I was scrolling through TikTok. Um, which is strangely addicting not strangely they probably designed it that way but regardless I was, and i I'm, and it's, I, I think the guy's name is juke j u j v k e in capitals so i don't know what he was trying to do with that i don't even know to tell you like i don't i don't know i just saw, heard the track you know it was just like him and a piano it's like i'm playing my song for my piano teacher i'm so nervous whatever you know and he played it And he's got this cool Philip Glass thing going on. Yeah. And then he starts rapping on top of it, which I was like, all right, you have my attention. And then he starts singing. And the guy's voice is like phenomenal. I was like, where is this coming from? Uh, It was awesome. So I'm like, I got to get that track. And it's like three and a half minutes. Great track. Great writing. Very cool synthesis of Philip Glass, like minimalism piano. With rapping over top of it, and then this huge operatic voice section, yeah. uh, total pop genre. I was like, now that's cool. Like, taking these totally... I would never think of Philip Glass and rap being <laughs> in the same thing, and it worked great. You know, there's times sure. this, since this doesn't work, but this completely worked on sure. that regard. And I was just like, okay, that, I'll give the guy all the credit. You know, he's got one song that's out... Who knows what will happen with his career whether it, it, he'll go on to do other stuff but it's cool to see that and you know into what one of the things and this ties into what we're talking about one of the things I was is after i the initial euphoria of listening to the track w- wore off i was like listening to the production and diving into what's going and it's very simply produced like the, it uh it's almost clichély produced, you sure. know. It's like starts out with just a piano and he's doing his little rap thing over it, and then it builds. You know, the bass comes in. It's a little bit of rhythmic stuff. You know, your typical pop progression in terms of the production aspect with it. And that to me was really disappointing. I was like, this could have been so. And as soon as it starts to get harmonically interesting, like at the end, he does like some cool key change stuff. Yeah, it's over, and I'm like. Come on. And I distinctly remember that from Steve when I played him one of my original songs, you know, which he liked, you know, he, he, he could appreciate the finger style things at that particular time. But he's like, my only complaint with this is that you start to get interesting at the end and then okay. it stops. He's like, you, you get into one particular key and you're in it and then you do this light change at the end, which is like, oh, this is new. And then it's over. Like, come on. <laughs> Where's your d- idea developing? Throughout that, you know, and at that time I was like, oh, it's just the way that I wrote it and that's that's it, you know, the ignorant uh, college uh, freshman mentality, Um, you know, and I spent the next several years in the composition class, getting that kind of kicked out of me, you know, to to really look at like, how do you, are you developing these ideas? Right. Uh, So, and I think that also happens with this to an extent to some degree with the artists in the studio i guarantee you it's not like generally like first taken that's it sometimes there's magic clearly but other times it's like all right we'll try it this way okay can you do it this way can you try it this way hey i like that idea keep that idea play it back and that's two quick examples uh there was an interview with marty friedman uh where he was talking about being a studio musician in japan like doing all the anime soundtracks and so on which is really cool personally i feel like that's cool but he uh was saying like you know when i'm in the studio with the producer you know i'll do this he's like one of the biggest skills you can have is be able to replay what you just did because they might really like that one lick and he's like you gotta call that back and build off of it on the spot you can't just go like uh can i tab that out real quick it's like nope rewind the tape hit it again type of thing or at least get as close to it as you can yeah right which is that's daunting in itself so that's where his creative aspect was it is. and there's another one i believe it was steve lukather he was in an interview in an old guitar world magazine and i'm surprised i remember this but he was talking about he got in called into a studio to do like a, a funk recording uh on something and he's like i'm not like huge into that but clearly i'm capable of being able to lay down a rhythm section to an extent and they're like, yeah, we had oh, this kid come good. in and he was playing uh, this. And what did you say? <laughs> Nothing. <very> okay.
1: Regardless, <laughs> nobody in LA likes me right now. That was
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. Uh, but the uh, you know, so he's like, and you know, so I go in and I listen to the original takes that this cat kid had, and I look at the producer and I'm like, why am I going to play all over that? That like, he's like, that's fantastic. He's like, this kid was probably like only played funk and that was it and he like nailed the part so i looked at him like you don't need me playing on this that that's great use that you know he's like i and i didn't play guitar on it which to me like spoke probably that's that's very cool because that that spoke volumes to me is like the artistic integrity of him being like that works great why the hell do you want me to do something over top of that right you know it's like that's fine but people do that all the time right where yeah yeah
1: yeah again there was somebody who had developed a thing you know, with that artist or as part of that artist. I don't know. I just, it's kind of a, it's just kind of disappointing. I think, um, as a listener, this isn't, this isn't a knock again on any of
0: the quality of the people that they do. You keep prefacing that like you're going to get punched in the face. Well, I know, but I, I don't want it to sound like
1: I'm like, these musicians are incredible, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, have, and like you know, that they are they are great. And and the same with Nashville. I mean, I know we're not—we haven't talked as much about, but you know, like what's the joke in Nashville? It's like the person pumping your gas is the gas best is guitar the best player, player that you've yeah. ever met, right? And that's true, right? Like there's a there's <laughs> a there's probably a major truth to that because there's just incredible guitar players down there. Um, but yeah, it's like. I don't know, we're just like kill these projects and we think oh we should get steve lucas there to play
0: funk like who, who even thought about yeah, that no i get it that's, you know, that's, like, like, that's like trying to have me play funk it, right. it ain't gonna work right. it's <laughs> it's like, like, i can read sense. that but i ain't proven like okay. the other guys were born and bred we, that, we were
1: listening to earth when and fire earlier um which i adore that band mm-hmm. um there's a live record and i always forget the name of it but i remember what the album cover looks like and it's just so good. I mean, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It, they're just killing. But I, just, yeah, I think, like, oh, we're, we're trying to, we have this band, Earth, Wind and & Fire, and uh, we decided to get Tim Pierce to play funk guitar
0: on it or whatever. It's like, <laughs> are you serious? Like, yep. Why would you do that? Like, Or, I, or grab John Petrucci for it. Yeah, yeah it's like, just, oh,
1: let's get John it's Petrucci like, to play a solo wow, on this. but it's not,
0: there's a square peg in a round yeah, hole. Like it
1: doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you do that? you know yeah, and it's, it's a live it's a live record too and like i mean they're, they're tight but like you know it's kind of loose like it's got a yeah. vibe about it and uh i don't know it's like you'd kill all that trying to make it too pristine yes <laughs> it, would, that,
0: it wouldn't be as good it would that's absolutely not be that as good. before yeah <laughs> it's like getting overly pristine yeah uh, i mean just some places it.
1: it doesn't it
0: doesn't fit yes um and i don't you know it I don't think that would fit in funk because there's something about being in the pocket but not. Yeah, pipe. it almost
1: has to feel yeah. loose, but it has to be perfect. It's sort of a funk's a weird one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you have to do it just right, and you know yeah. when it's right, and you know when it's not right. Like mm-hmm.
0: the, the, to, with the, like three or four times, I've attempted to play it yeah. <laughs> with that. Um, Yeah, most but, of us yeah. can't do it. Yeah. That's yeah. The, well I mean it's just at this point I'm like I pretty much live in a classical world mostly. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. So and I've gotten to a point where I can't keep trying to play every single yeah, um, so Yeah, and
1: uh, there's that too, right? There's the uh, plenty of musicians, studio musicians who play and it's kinda like uh what was that what was that uh movie with the like the hired guns or whatever? <laughs> Did you watch oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like there, there's plenty of good players, but it's almost like sort of generic, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you have to be good at so many things, and you're never really great at anything. And you're, you're doing it professionally, and the notes are right, and you've done what you're supposed to do, supposed to do. But uh, I don't know. There's like, in some respects, it's not about being an artist. Like you said, it's about supporting the art the artist that you're playing with but you have to you often stuck in a little box you know mm-hmm. and the, and the, and the sort of uh what's the word i'm like like the golden opportunities you want are the are the ones that musicians talk about Are like the ones that the big artist hires like great musicians and lets them play you know like <laughs> oh i have steve gad on drums i'm not gonna just have him play like straight rock grooves or whatever. <laughs> like, why would I do that? Like, I'm going to... What do you even take gig? Yeah, I'm like, happens. I'm
0: going to showcase these people because they're awesome
1: and they're exciting to watch and it's a fun show when you let them loose. But I think that's also
0: the genres. Like, the more well, you but, get,
1: but you even hear that, like I am you know, trying to pick. Show. I'm trying to pick on the, the pop ones, though, too. They're a pop artist. They let their bands play. All
0: right, um, I'll give you that. Yeah, and those great.
1: are the those are the gigs everybody wants, but those are the gigs that, like... The best musicians you know have stuck in the last 40 years, you know, and they're not giving up that gig um, because, one, it's good money, and, two, they get to play whatever they want in a sense, right? Um, Well,
0: look at Andy, uh, just uh, like Andy McKee with Prince, Purple Rain. Like Andy McKee is a finger style guy. Yeah. And Prince called him up and wanted him to play on tour with him, playing that particular song. His cover of Prince's song. Right. And he's like, Prince is sitting there telling me, yeah, you're going to come out. We're going to have you like with this huge purple robe that's going to be flowing out over the entire stage. you know. And you're just going to get up there by yourself, purple lights on you, playing the thing. He's like, okay. He's <laughs> you know, like, all right, it's Prince. Of course I'm going to do whatever you want. And then he also played for Josh Groban doing like Little Drummer Boy. Yeah, And that was the most underuse of a guitar player that I think I've ever heard in my freaking life. Like, it literally just had... It was just... It, and The tuning was in a drop D. And every time and again, you just hear like the drop D just percussively hit. right? And I'm like, that's clear. The producer just grabbing that and slapping that in there. And I was like, oh, God, that could have been so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, that's right up his alley. Little Drummer Boy, Andy McKee, the percussive acoustic finger style would fit yeah. absolutely perfect. And, you know, Josh Groban is total poppera, but... The, and they weasel them into it. And yeah. that's the other question, too, is how much did he actually do and mm-hmm. what did they just take from it? Like it could have been like this awesome virtuosic thing. And they're like, yeah, we're going to take those notes and that's it. Yeah. Which you've had happen to yourself when you played on, uh, sure. on albums, you know, you've done all this work, which I remember I got so pissed when you played me <laughs> the results of that. Cause I was doing the recording for you and I was like, this is great. And then you send me like what the guy had finished. And I was like, my God, he just like took an axe to yeah, all right. that cool stuff and got rid of it. So I think that factors into your argument a little bit. Is that maybe the the t- to an extent, like there's this huge creative outburst in the studio, and then the producer and the guy afterwards are like, "Yeah, we're gonna take this, this, and this, and leave all this, you know, yeah. all the gold that you don't see on the ground, you know." Um, but that's ultimately- oh, okay. Here,
1: here's another. It, th- this is more of a live well studio too. We're going to pick on your buddy, uh, Joe Satriani. I mean, like, and he, and he, and I feel like he's mentioned this recently where he said he really had to get out of his head on this. But here he, he like, hires, and I know he's doing it because he knows he can pay his buddies too. Like, right, he wants to, like, he wants his friends to do well and have financial success. And he's, he's financially successful and he can pay them and whatever. But yeah, you get, like, Mike Keneally and, like, Brian yep. Beller and, Marco oh, yeah. Miniman or whatever, right. Yeah, like Marco Miniman on drums, and you're like, and you're like, what? Like, Can you take I think mean, that's fine. Dollars, but you know what's funny is, like, no, no Satriani fan would be like, I can't believe you let Marco Miniman do that crazy fill on that song. It's nothing like the record exactly. of that drum machine. <laughs> you know, like, they would all be like, especially his crowd, they would have been like, holy crap, like, dang, Marco's amazing.
0: Yeah. That like, I will, t- yes, I completely yeah, And it's out. like, oh, you yeah, Mike Keneally? Like,
1: yeah, man, let Mike Keneally play some, you know? Yeah. And like, not just play the 30 second little solo you give him or whatever, because, yeah, like, yeah. let him mess with your arrangements a little bit. Yep. Um, well, bring Steve his Viola
0: flavor to that. it. Because he let Mike Keneally do piano solo arrangements of Steve Vitans. Yeah,
1: play. that was after the fact. that was, So Steve's. Yeah, not, that, that's though, the only reason it's too. a little better in Steve's band. Is it seems that Steve when he has like a record come out, at least the drummers, he kinda lets them like figure out their parts and like do this stuff. So you get you get like a drummer interpretation of it at least. Um no, I think I I'm sure he gives notes about what he wants it to be, but he kinda like you can tell that's a different drummer on different records. You know, like in sort of intentional, yeah. like he lets them figure out parts.
0: And that's back to the Satriani thing. Yeah. Because I it, I'm I'm interrupting here because the uh there was a video tape, good god, dating myself on that one for that the uh, the album Satch. Right? Whatever the one where
1: Oh, like Dennis that, Chambers and stuff that one. Uh hang on, I'm Nathan I, I, East and Den, wasn't it Dennis Chambers? Yes. Yes. it like more like
0: uh fusiony, bluesy, whatever. Wanna yeah, call it? it was definitely more Yeah, that's
1: like his best album.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, like, they had a videotape of the making of that album. Yeah. And I'd probably, and, and, I mean, if that was a CD, i probably burned it in. <laughs> you know, th- th- hang on, I'm looking up the album. It's called Joe Satriani, I think. Yeah, that's it. Joe Satriani, that yeah. one. And, like, watching the the studio takes on it, because it was, like, you know, a two-hour yeah. video, I was like, God, all this stuff would have been awesome in the actual song. Like, I like <laughs> some of the the studio takes, the outtakes, better than the original, the, the yeah, final sure. product.
1: Hey, you
0: you know, awesome band for that. Yeah, he had an incredible musician. Manu Kacche on drums. It was just like, holy crap. Like, And then, he, he, like you said, you listen to the final thing, and it's like, boom, boom, yeah. boom, I mean, it's not as bad on that record as some of the other ones, but yeah. No, but I get your point with that. It's like, the guy is capable of doing unbelievable stuff, and you're like, just do this. Yeah. Uh, and I and get, like, the, it's it's safe in a way. Like,
1: yeah, is there a chance that he could let those guys loose, and it would ruin a song? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and then it might have been better off with like a simple drum track. But I also think that, um, you know, if you would have let them a little bit, like, like let a little bit off the, you know, the holding the chain back, let mm-hmm. them a little bit loose, let them be a little bit more creative. Um. The, the like some of those songs that were good or even great, like would have been really great. You know, like you would have been like, like, how could you duplicate that song? But Mm -hmm. like in the end, a lot of his stuff, unfortunately or fortunately, you know, it really is like, it sounds like a drum machine because Mm -hmm. that's what he used. And then he, he had it replaced with a real drummer, but as a drum machine part, uh, I don't know how much of that was him or a producer or whatever. I'm going to ignore that, but I'm assuming that it mostly him because it sounds like, you know even live like you would see him play with like these incredible people and uh, they just played what was on the
0: record but well, that was a uh, thing that I thought was interesting is because I you had the well the, the album recorded version of luminous F- flash giants and then the one that they did in the video had extra parts that weren't there yeah like on the, the, the which I thought were awesome I was like that's a cool hook. I'm really shocked that this didn't have it. But live, when I saw him live, he played it. Right. So it's kind of like, huh. Like, like, clearly he goes through arranging the thing before you walk out on stage, which everybody does. Duh. Yeah. I thought it was fascinating that he's like, yeah, I'm going to grab this part that I had before and bring it here. <laughs> you put, it, you put it in. It was a cool hook. I can't remember how it
1: yeah, I, Yeah, I think I saw a thing re- more recently where he was like, you know, before the show's I don't know if he would participate, but it would like Keneally, Beller and Markov would just be like jamming, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was, it was really good. And he's like, it took him a long time to sort. Of, and then he'd play with them for like five years or something now or something. Right. It's like, they're basically like a real band, mm-hmm. but they just, they, none of them get to play in a sense, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. not that they're not, not that the parts are not hard or they shouldn't execute them. Well, I'm sure they do all those things. Fine. But it's kind of like, you could create a thing, you know. You you could create a, a band in a sense, and an experience, and take it really take advantage of those musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, and I feel like that's what happens in the studio. That's you know ultimately that's what you end up with. This like, um, oh, we hired Vinny Colaiuta to, to play drums, and he's just gonna play straight, whatever. <laughs> And you're you know, like, it's not that you have to have him do, like, crazy stuff, but why wouldn't you take his opinion on, you know, why wouldn't absolutely. you? I, I know why you don't, because it's a financial decision. But if you had, if you're spending a million dollars making a record, why not have him around for six months, mm-hmm. help you write the song, you know, help you, like, rearrange but, the song? and, and, then that guy and like
0: put his flavor on it? Yeah. Who brings in three different drummers. And have some play over all the tracks and then puts it all together. Right. You know, it's like that level of uh creative smorgasbord is just insane. Like I love it, don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's like you brought in three drummers to play the same songs in three distinct ways, and then you have to hire somebody to play all three parts live. Like how the oh, hell Oh, you, you Devin Townsend? Much? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Devon Townsend. It's like what you know, but again, But that was a pep that was top. a dip
1: that's that's almost different.
0: And it, that, that's
1: it, a big pet project that he had and whatever. But and... that's
0: my point, though. It's like he wanted that particular creative outflow with that, and that's what he was aiming for. Joe, like, in the Satriani thing, just because that, I have the background with that, it was like he was putting his name on it and what he wanted. So ultimately, you know, every creativity thing was going to be filtered through him because yeah. he's making the call. It wasn't a bad thing. He's like, I'm Joe Satriani. You have your checks. That's it. Like, I don't think it was that... Callous, but you know that uh, tends to be like. Ultimately, that's what it is, you know. And uh, like, um, I I, that isn't for everybody. Like, I could call up musicians to play with my stuff, and then I'm going to sit down at the end and be like, though these parts might they might think that they're awesome, I don't think that it fits my particular voice, so that loses it. So Uh, here's let me finish this thought real quick. Yeah, yeah. So here's the question: Is that I don't think that the creativity necessarily is lost in the sense of them being constrained in the studio i think the cutting room floor is where most of that ends up you know just like a director's cut of a film versus the theatrical release versus the extent you know whatever you know they they have there's other factors that constrain as it goes through the thing to be a commercial product and granted that brings in the money aspect of it but the other part is that you know, if it's successful enough, you get your extended editions or director's cut or Snyderverse or whatever. You know, where they they, they come in and give you the vision that that particular artist wanted to do, and that goes down. That it, it's almost the same way to an extent because you have the art actors doing particular parts and roles and adding their inflections to it, and the director's yeah. like, "No, I want it this way." You know, it's like that's totally squishing that particular creative outflow with it in one sense. But it's the question is is does that kill the creative outflow, or does it encourage it because you're it, steering it in a particular direction because you have to have some boundaries yeah some no no problem. sure boundaries are important um, yeah but no, I, there, I heard a quote, I didn't quote to recently interrupt what point you were going to say no no no
1: the, and it, it kind of falls in line i'm gonna kind of go around i'm trying to remember because you just made me think there was a quote i think it's Stravinsky. something about like limitations are what free you Basically, mm-hmm. it's limitations that free you. It's not freedom that frees
0: you. Freedom actually binds you, or yeah. whatever. Like, but actually, putting li- unlimited directions. It's like if you are standing in a field, it's like, well, go somewhere. God, I can go anywhere. Like that's honestly intimidating. Yeah. Versus where if you have an idea, well, it
1: also a- it also probably makes you do something that's not so unique, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So here is a case in point of someone that I. It's pretty interesting. Um so Chris Cornell, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Part of Soundgarden, part of um why am I blanking now?
0: Audio slave.
1: Audio slave. And then he also put out a bunch of his own solo albums. Mm-hmm. Right? Now I think you could probably easily argue on his solo albums had higher caliber musicians than those other two bands. You know, he hired like studio musicians to do this. You know, mm. schooled good musicians, you know, that know grungy, whatever you want to call it, yeah. stuff. But it's not as good. Yeah. It's just um, not yeah. as good as Soundgarden or Audio Slave, which were bands that um developed as a thing, you know? And that these. Audio Slave, maybe you could argue is like well, it's already established people and blah blah blah, but like it really they went into it as a band and they really tried to yeah, make it something absolutely. right. That um, was a great, great. And, uh, they all treated it as like this. is You know, I'm putting myself out there as this is my next main focus for the next ten years or whatever. Um, you know, in Soundgarden, obviously that was their main focus and that's what they put all their their blood and sweat into. And uh, yeah, I guess to the point of okay, if you have a, if you put out an album, right? You said I want to put the Adam Keeler album, and I'm gonna drums and bass. And I'm gonna to try to get all the people that I really like to play on it. I happen to just get this endowment of like three hundred thousand dollars, and I can do whatever I want. And it has to be for the record. I can't use it for anything else. Um, so I'm gonna get all the people I really like on it. But you know, what do you really know about drums and bass and all these kind of things? Right? You might have some vision of what you like. Mm-hmm. You might have some players that you like. Um, but it it'll, it'll probably come out pretty great, right? But no, <laughs> but like it wouldn't be a band. Yeah. You know? no, you're right. It wouldn't be like the people that you hired might be like, oh, this sounds like a cool project. Let's do this, you know? And I really like what you're trying to do, and I won't hope that I can make it good. And, you know, I really appreciate that you called me and all that stuff. Um, But it's not their project. Mm-hmm. And uh, it makes you wonder a little bit like, what if you had the 300 grand or whatever? Would have been better to spend like a year and a half like developing a band locally, you know, and pick musicians who seem into it and like play some shows and do all this stuff and be like, yo, I want to make this a real project. We're all equal contributors to this thing. And like um, you get this this view from multiple angles and people can add their two cents. You know, I guess I'm in a long-winded way of saying like, even Chris Cornell, as good as he was, and those those uh, solo records are pretty good, but they're just not as good, like I, um, in my opinion, at least, and I think most people's opinion. Um, but it took like having like a real, you know, equal contributor band that everybody's getting paid the same, and you know, like they're all equally invested in putting as much into it as they can. You get all those perspectives that make the the whole greater than the you know the, some of the parts or
0: whatever but even within the band there's definitely like
1: a leadership yeah um, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, ignoring the whole like architecture Yeah, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll drop that <laughs> yeah gone. yeah i know i know um yeah and i don't really know if, if audio slave was equal parts everyone or if, Chris was mostly in charge or Tom or I don't know I have no idea.
0: Who knows, you know, it's like, But uh yeah. also the, the advantage of having a producer sitting in the room too because it's like the the detached guy that's not who's involved but not like as right. attached as everybody else he's like, he can make a, a, a far enough away call.
1: Well, maybe that can be good and bad though, right? Uh, yeah. Exactly. Obviously we know it can be bad cuz it be a bad producer but even a good producer might not let the band develop something that could be really good because like yeah i don't know like that one part there it got a little like too free jazzy or whatever like probably (laughs) shouldn't do that like that's just gonna that's snooze fest but it's like well maybe they could have developed that thing and it would have turned into something great
0: david uh maxim mimic or whatever uh just released a video talking because he just delayed uh, Bilo four which i was really looking forward to uh but uh he's like i was finishing up the solo and all of a sudden got like took it in this new direction and he's like i'm not done and he's so he like called up the guy that was thinking he's like yeah we're doing the key change can you come back tomorrow right. you know it's been months since you originally recorded the, the the first part he's like changing it let's go and so he's like it's just the creative process he's like the advantage is he's so well versed with all the production levels of things that it's like he can do whatever the heck he doesn't have a producer he's his producer and he brings in the other musicians and it's uh he plays all the main instruments and the only thing i don't think he plays is drums but i'm not even sure about that he probably does but uh he was it was an interesting interview it's on youtube just him talking about like, yeah, you know, it's like it's done when it's done. And I know everybody's been waiting. And I had like this goal of releasing it on this day because like he dedicated it to his mom who had recently passed away and it was her birthday. And he's like, I really wanted to have something. Uh, so he's like, I'll release a single, but the I album's taking a new life. You know, it's it's like this new thing happened. And and that I get like there's rabbit holes that you get to where it's like, oh, where did that come from right. and you like that's it you just go um and he didn't uh he doesn't have the uh pressure of like a pop release or whatever you know it's like you uh, can do what he wants so and that's i would say like as much as there's those aspects with the creative things of the studio musicians today we have this advantage of having like a studio in your house that gets near well it's definitely i i would argue definitely better then the quality of the things in the 60s, you know, it, it, it's just technology. That's what happens. It, yeah. it compresses, it gets better, and it gets cheaper. Um, so, like, with that aspect of it, of, like, the, the re- restraint in the studio, the home studio guys can do whatever the hell they want and take as much time as they want to sure. really be that much creative, even if they bring in uh, particular studio musicians. You know, and clearly David does because he uh, has a singer on it and he doesn't sing. So you, I guess all I'm saying is that, like, you know, we have those perspectives of creativity being squished to fit into a thing, to fit into a particular pop genre, to make the money. But the counterpoint to that is there's so much accessible stuff now that anybody can do whatever the hell they want and release it and see what happens to it. I mean, for crying out loud, if I, if I can find a song on TikTok uh, of all places, which I still hate TikTok, but I still produce videos there all the time because money – uh, not that I'm seeing anything yet, but just saying. Uh, but just like you know, if this this guy can do it, and I, I, I run across it randomly, just literally scrolling, you know, to, while I'm well, you know, using the restroom or whatever, <laughs> like everybody does. So and it's like that's a cool song, and then I go and I grab the track, and you know, it's 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 really cool for that accessibility. Like that was yeah. the one thing, that, I, like, intellectually I was looking at, it and I'm like, my God, you know, like, the, 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 to go like, oh, there's this, click, click, boom, got it. Like, didn't leave the toilet seat, <laughs> and I have new music in my hand. Oh, yeah. it's a yeah, awesome. whole other discussion of value, you know, potentially yeah. with it. But uh, I, I, I got the track, you know, and he's got his money, and that's that. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, so... it used to be distribution was the – the biggest hurdle for musicians and now distributions effectively free. Yep. Um, but now everyone's just you the, know, now you're just, you a different cap, problem. Now, I,
0: now it's gotten and to a huge, you're not competing
1: travel. against like three bands in the area. You're competing about, about 5,000 bands and yeah. that block around the corner, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, but it's cool. You know, I, I still, I think that aspect of it is great because it's a lot more to listen to and to hear. Um, so anyways, so yeah, I'm starting to run out of intellectual vigor. <laughs> I'm getting tired. Um, but I think that overall, like, you know, the discussion, this idea of like, the, does a studio musician kill the creativity to an extent? I, I think the answer is the, the, the old yes and no. You know, like right. there's an extent to where that particular artist's voice is muffled for the sacrifice of having the other artist's voice come through more and that's just the the knock in the face that you got to take with doing that because it's not your gig you're there to support the other guy that being said he wanted you in there to do a particular thing with your voice so you have that with that and obviously if there's a hit song somebody else is gonna if it works one way you're gonna want to work in another way because money i don't like that fact but that's just the reality
1: uh, of it. One thing you've said a couple times now, and I, I'm not sure that it's true. Okay. Because <laughs> you keep saying, like, we hired somebody for their voice. And I don't know that that's necessarily the truth, in a sense. Because um, there's a lot of uh, chameleon sort of players. um, Like, and, and Tim Pierce is probably one of them, you know? Mm-hmm. He doesn't, like, specialize... I mean, maybe he specializes in a few things, but, like... He's more of the guy, like, yeah, I don't really know, we might need acoustic guitar, we might need a little bit of this blues thing, and then we're going to need, like, this slide part, and then do you play any slack key guitar stuff? Could you do this thing? You're, like... it's kind of like, yeah, I can do all those things. I've done those before. I know, I know how to do those. Um, maybe some country parts. Yeah, cool, yeah, we'll get you... You know, where... The, you know, the difference is like, well, I have a country song, so maybe I'll hire um, Johnny Highland to play on it, you know, like, like you know, because that's his, like, you, I would be hiring Johnny Highland to do something very specific because he's really good at it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a amazing, like, chicken picker, or whatever, you know, like, you'd hire him to do that thing, you know, it's very specific, and you can tell it's Johnny the second you get him. Mm-hmm. Um, he... Now Johnny might do the chameleon thing too, but that that's a whole other thing. But like, yeah, I wouldn't like. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm gonna hire Johnny Highland, and then I want him to just play like, um, <laughs> you know, some strummy chords and, um, you know, stuff he'd be plenty capable of doing. Yeah, you know, and play some drop well, be- D, some drop D riffage on there or whatever, like. That, to me, that's not hiring him for his voice. That's hiring because he's a competent guitar player that can do mm. a lot of different things.
0: But if that leads to the other question that just came up, is uh, do you hire somebody to do the things that you can't do? Like generally, well, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, of course, that's exactly why you're hiring them because if you could do it yourself, you'd do it yourself. You know. Um, so,
1: well, yeah, we keep talking. We keep also we keep going back to like. I'm doing a project and I need 10 musicians to play on it. So I hired all the, the, or whatever, the 10 musicians that I like to play on it. Not, I started a band. We're playing a bunch of my original songs. I got a record deal. Instead of using my band, I decided to hire a bunch of no, known players to play on it because I'm hoping that, you know, one, I think they'll be professional and I've always wanted to play with that guy. And two, um their no- their name you know will help promote the record, you know, or something, but it's like well what I, but, but the guys I was playing with they were fine, you know they're good musicians, and they've been around playing with me for three years, but I've decided to use other people instead, and that's kind of a that's where I think it's disappointing, I guess you don't you don't get to hear Jocko now because. <laughs> he didn't get the opportunity yeah. now Jocko is a one in a million, yeah of course he would but... have eventually broke somewhere most likely mm-hmm. um but uh yeah, I don't know you 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 could have missed him though maybe we would have missed him we probably have missed plenty of people like that, yeah,
0: and that's I think that's
1: that's ultimately bad ultimately not a good thing.
0: Yeah, but well, that's a discussion for another time because yeah. I, I might be yeah tired. we're gonna
1: wear we'll out the tap out
0: yeah that's all right we're but we're getting back into this back. what's yeah. that i said it's great to be back it's yeah great to be back and we you know we matched shirts today too so that's good I, I i noticed that i wasn't gonna say anything but uh yeah that's uh you know great minds think alike and fools seldom differ. yeah so <laughs> at least we got that going for nice. us so got the pale
1: white uh, V-neck going on. We're
0: yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say if there's a company that wants to send us uh, V-neck T-shirts, we'll wear them. <laughs> I did have some Knob Creek the other day. Oh, that, that's fine. I, I was gonna bust out some Talisker, but I decided to stick <laughs> away from the alcohol. I was right, tired, so next time, so Knob Creek or Talisker. Well, one after the
1: other. Medalers. It's good we to see y'all.
0: And uh, we'll, we'll see you soon. Yeah.
1: Peace.